Well, hello again. My name is Mike. And at Northwood Young Adults, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you clicked on this video that you did so with an open heart because you've been prayed and prepared for it. So this week, we are beginning a brand new series called The Gospel of Jonah, where we're going to walk through the book of Jonah together. And I'm excited about this series. I've been excited about it for a couple of months now because the story of Jonah is about a lot more than just a big fish. You know, that's probably the first thing you think about or that comes to mind when you think about Jonah, right? The big fish, the whale. Well, I'm excited to, to dive deep into this story over the month of April and so what we're going to see is that the purpose of the book of Jonah is to be a reflection on the compassionate character of God and for the reader, so for, for us, to assess the degree to which our own character reflects God's compassion. And this compassion that God has is not just for believers, but for unbelievers as well. And so throughout this series, we're going to see also how Jonah's story ultimately points us to Christ. And so this week we're going to cover chapter one and uh, this story gets moving pretty quickly. So uh, let's pray and then we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for, uh, for this message. God, I thank you for the story of Jonah and, uh, and all that it means for us even today. So God, I pray that, that you would speak to us uh, through your word. And uh, God, we thank you that the flower fades and the grass withers, but your word remains forever. So we trust you to speak to us right now in Jesus name. Amen. All right, well, if you would, turn to the book of Jonah. And while you're doing so, I'm going to give you some context. So the, the author of the book of Jonah, interesting, interestingly enough, is considered to be anonymous. Uh, Jonah was also a minor prophet. And so basically a prophet was a, a specific person appointed by God to relay a specific message to a specific group of people. And like I said, Jonah was a minor prophet. And so in scripture, you know, you have prophets who are considered major and minor prophets. And that's not because of importance or significance. Essentially, it just refers to the length of their books. And so we're going to start uh, with just a couple of verses uh, this week, and we're going to answer the question of who Jonah was really. So this is Jonah 1, 1 through 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And so in these two verses, there is a lot more than meets the eye. So essentially, God calls Jonah to go to a great city called Nineveh and call them to repentance. And for us to really understand why this is so significant is to understand who Jonah was and also what kind of city Nineveh was. And so Jonah actually appears in Scripture in one other location. He actually shows up in 2 Kings chapter 14. And in that spot in scripture, we see him supporting the king of that time, King Jeroboam II. And what he's supporting is he's supporting this king's efforts to advance Israel's borders and the restoration of the uh, Israelite people. And so Jonah was essentially a Hebrew patriot, okay, who, who hated anyone who came against his own people. And listen, you know, it's not bad to love your country, right? But when love of country outweighs love of God, then it becomes idolatry. And we'll see that is the case with Jonah. And so God has called him to go to the city of Nineveh. And so why Nineveh? Well, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian empire and they were very evil. And God wanted to, to warn them of their impending doom if they did not repent. And Nineveh is actually known to historians as one of the most brutal societies in all of history. And they're recording doing the following, dismembering people, even cutting off everything but one arm and so they could shake the person's hand as he was dying. 
They force families to parade around with their loved one's head on a pole. Uh, they cut out people's tongues. They, they, uh, they skinned and burned people alive. These people were terrorists. And on top of all that, this was also the first time that God sent a prophet to a Gentile nation, uh, sent it to a nation that wasn't part of Israel. And so this mission it made no sense. God was sending Jonah, a man who dearly loved his own people and hated outsiders, to call to repentance one of the worst terrorist states in history. The two were polar opposites. Tim Keller, he equated the call of Jonah to a, a rabbi in Nazi, uh, Nazi Germany preaching on the street corner. And, you know, it made no sense. Like he would not have lasted long. But remember the purpose of this book to show God's compassion on believers and unbelievers alike. And so why do you think God would ask us to do something that we don't understand, right? That seemingly makes no sense. That's something to think about as we move forward. So let's read the next verse. This is Jonah 1, 3, verse three. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So here we see that when Jonah gets this call from God, he refuses and he instead goes down to a city called Joppa to get on a boat to go to a city called Tarshish. And what's interesting is that Nineveh and Tarshish, so Nineveh is where he was supposed to go, Tarshish is where he's headed, they're actually in opposite directions. And so Jonah is literally running away from the call of God. And it's because he didn't believe that God knew what was best. He was thinking, man, how could God have mercy on these terrible people, right? They don't deserve his mercy. Now, how often do we think that, right? How often do we disagree with God? C.S. Lewis has this great quote where he says, but here's a difficulty about disagreeing with God. He says, here's, he is the, the source from which all of your reasoning power comes. When you are arguing against him, you are arguing against the very power that makes you able to argue at all. It's like cutting off the branch you're sitting on. And that's a great quote. So Jonah disagreed with God that these people of Nineveh deserved mercy. And, you know, sometimes we forget that we're just as sinful as anyone else. And really our mindset should be, man, if God could have mercy on someone like me, he can have mercy on anyone. But Jonah, he wasn't thinking that at all. First of all, Jonah was scared. And second of all, he was also prideful. He was scared for his life, but he was also prideful to think that he deserved the grace and mercy of God while someone else didn't. So let's read and see what happens next. This is verse four to six. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And so Jonah, he gets on this, this boat to Tarshish and there comes this huge storm. And, and it says that the men with him on the boat, these experienced fishermen, they started calling out to their gods for help. And so this storm must have been bad enough for these experienced men to believe that it was something supernatural. But we see that in the midst of all that, Jonah, he was actually in the bottom of the boat asleep. And so these guys were desperate enough to wake him up and say, hey, Jonah, get up, call out to your God or whatever God you believe in and help us. And I love this part of the story because 
it parallels and foreshadows a story from the life of Jesus that uh, can be found in Mark chapter 4. In the same way in that story, Jesus and the disciples are all in this boat and this huge storm hits. And just like Jonah, Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat in the middle of the storm. And the disciples come to wake him up and they say, hey, don't you care that we're dying? We're, we're terrified here. Please do something. And Jesus ends up calming the storm and he shows them, hey, I've got power over creation. Even the wind and the waves obey me. And so that's the parallel there. But let's keep reading. Let's see what happens next. This is verse 7 through 16. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great, this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to, uh, to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood for you. O Lord, have, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased, ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And so basically they cast lots, and in God's sovereignty, it lands on Jonah. And so they ask Jonah, they say, hey, why is this happening? And Jonah tells them that he's a Hebrew and that he serves the Lord, the, the God of heaven. And what's crazy about this is that, you know, Jonah got on this boat to avoid preaching to pagans. And yet here he is anyway, preaching to pagans. You know, God has a way of exacting his will, regardless of our poor decisions at times. God wanted to show Jonah that he was part of a human community, not just a faith community. And so we are called to love our neighbor, regardless if they believe the same things as we do. And that's what God was teaching Jonah. You know, Jonah despised anyone that was different, different from him, different than him. And God, in his grace, was exposing that and ironing it out. You know, God got Jonah out of, his uh, out of his bubble. You know, God is not just the God of the Hebrews. He's God over everyone. And so for us, even today, God is not just the God of America, but the God of the universe, God of the world. And so after this, Jonah... He asked to be thrown into the waves to stop the storm, and they agreed to, to do so. And when Jonah fell into the water, the storm stopped and the waters were, were calm again. And what I want us to see in this is that when Jonah asked to be thrown into the waves so that these men wouldn't have to be, does that sound familiar, right? For someone to choose to take on the wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to, right? In the same way, Jesus chose to be thrown into the waves of God's wrath so that we wouldn't have to die in the storm of sin. And after that comes the last verse of the chapter where we're going to see the, the big fish. So let's read. This is verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And so Jonah, he gets hurled into the sea and he's swallowed by a, a large fish and stays in its belly for three days and three nights. And I don't want us to get you know, too hung up on the fish because in the grand scheme of this story, the fish really plays a small part. 
But what I want us to do is see the fish as, it, as what it truly was, a vessel of God's mercy to save Jonah from death. You know, Jonah was swallowed by the fish so that he wouldn't drown. And so he found himself in its stomach in the depths of the sea. And what I want to point out at this point in the story is that, you know, God took Jonah down a path that took him to absolute rock bottom. You know, throughout the story, Jonah, you, we can see that Jonah went down to Joppa, as the verses say. It said that he went down into the bottom of the boat and then again down into the depths of the sea. You know, sometimes God has to get us to our lowest place for us to see his grace and mercy the clearest. You know, from the mission that Jonah was given to his refusal and then to the rescue by the fish, this whole story is a stripping of Jonah's pride. You know, the mercy of God is an antidote to pride's poison in our lives. I'm gonna say that again. The mercy of God is an antidote to pride's poison in our lives. The mercy of God, it reminds us that we were sinners long before we were saved. The mercy of God, it reminds us that we are children of God before anything else. It reminds us that we are as undeserving as anybody else. And how does that taste, right? How does that impact your view of yourself? How does that impact your view of your, your world? How does that impact your view of God? He is more merciful and gracious than we could ever imagine. And that grace and that mercy is for all people, whether we like it or not. And so can we expand our view? Can we expand our perspective? Can we enlarge our view of God? And as we conclude this week, I would encourage you, take heed to the beginning of Jonah's story. That sometimes God calls us to do things that, that don't make sense to us. Sometimes God takes us down to our lowest spot so that we can see him the clearest. And that his mercy, it's for all people, not just those who are just like us. So how does that impact your view of God? How could that change the way that you view others? If you would pray with me and we'll close this out. God, we thank you again so much for the story of Jonah. And we thank you, God, that, that sometimes you'll let us get to our absolute rock bottom, and just like Jonah did, for us to see you clearly and to see your grace and mercy. And so God, we, we, we do thank you, God, for this story and this, the lessons that it teaches us. And we thank you, God, that, that yes, we do struggle with these things at times. We, we struggle with pride, but we do thank you that your mercy strips that pride away from us. It reminds us of the sin that we've committed, the, the fact that we were sinners before you saved us, God. And so we do trust you with this word, God, that as it uh, falls on the ears of whoever is watching this video, God, that they would be reminded that your goodness does not play favorites, but that we are all saved by the same grace and then we can walk in that and trust in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, just as a reminder, you can always go to youngadults.guide for all kinds of resources. Also, our podcast is available 20 for your 20s. Uh, it's an amazing 20-minute time slot that you can learn a lot from. So I want to point you to that as well. It's on Spotify. So we love you guys. You're amazing. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Go change your world.